In the Know is brought to you by the physicians and staff of Nebraska Cancer Specialists. We are grateful for their time and support on this project. Welcome back, ladies. I am joined today by Lori and Jane, our mental health professionals at Nebraska Cancer Specialists. And this is Lori's third podcast with us and uh, Jane's second. So welcome back. And we're happy to have both of you with us today. We're going to be discussing a I would say rather popular topic as we head into the holidays. This afternoon, we're going to be talking about grief. And this time, necessarily this year, 2020, the holidays usually are spent with our loved ones. And we may be looking at something a little bit differently this year. And this is in the holidays have been imprinted in our lives from a very young age. And the holidays mark a passage of time in our lives. They tend to be part of the milestones we share with each other and generally represent time spent with family. But since the holidays are for being with those we love the most, how do we celebrate the holidays with a loved one who is no longer with us? For many people, this is the hardest part of grieving when we miss our loved ones even more than usual, especially during the holiday season. So how can we celebrate togetherness when someone is missing? That's what we're going to focus on today. And Lori, why don't you kind of help us get started with this today? Yes. I, you know, grief during the holidays is such an important topic. I mean, grief in general is an important topic. Um, but it becomes um, heightened and, and more prominent during the holidays because there's this overwhelming expectation for everybody to be happy and everybody to be joyous and celebratory. And I, and I really find with my patients that it creates this swell of grief. It really magnifies what patients are feeling. And, and then even, you know, people can be triggered when you, you everywhere you go, there's holiday music or Christmas music. Um, you, you're invited to parties, you're expected to buy gifts and make cookies. And there's decorations everywhere. And it's, it's very opposite of what you're feeling. So, you know, the question then becomes, what do I do with my grief? Because I'm, you know, I'm fragmented internally. I'm feeling like I should participate in holidays, um, but I don't want to. And, and more importantly, it might not feel right or it might feel uh, disrespectful to the person that I've lost. So, you know, there's a lot um, that we can do to help with this. Um, and I would... I would start with just by saying the best thing we can do is is to honor our grief and embrace it and not run from it or not try to avoid it. Um, and through the help, the help of a therapist or, or others in your life, you know, we can find ways to incorporate healing into um, the holiday season. And so, you know, there's an old saying that, that time heals everything. Or time heals grief. And that's really not accurate because what's important is what you do with that time. And that's, I think, what we want to talk about today is how we can use this season to continue our healing and to process our grief. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, with time, it isn't that it heals all wounds, but um, time helps... what time does is it, there's an evolution of grief that occurs over the, over time so that the grief you might feel if this is your first holiday without your loved one 
that is going to be very raw and very, very strong grief. And it it's unimaginable to think that that's going to change over time, but it does change over time. And that's, um, I think that's where the time factor comes in, yes. is that it you don't forget and you don't, um, it isn't that it just feels fine after that, but it does change. And I think that's it the heals. biggest thing about time. It heals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who lost her husband last year, and she told me, Lori, it just feels like a thousand little cuts because mm-hmm. it, there are a thousand different losses that come with someone dying. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was so beautifully said because, you know, grief in this instance is about someone dying, but there's so many losses that go with that. And at the holiday, uh, during the holiday season, all of the, all of those, many of those losses come to light or surface. And so it becomes even more painful to look at that. Um, but it helps to know that that's coming and to anticipate. And in my office, you know, when I'm talking with uh, my patients, I will start in September and October and the discussion about the holidays are coming. How are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, I, I often get kind of blank stares. Well, what do you mean? I'm just going to do what I always do. Right. And that often isn't, what we what feels right or what we what will be helpful and i think in the anticipatory grief that can so sneak up on us and as you said Lori, months before um, and i remember this after i lost my well i lost both my parents but when i lost my dad and subsequent years then i would just have this feeling of melancholy and like a depression and sadness um, and it was grief, but I couldn't name it because there wasn't anything right then that was going on and I couldn't figure it out. And then later, then I could say, oh, <laughs> that it was grief. It was the anticipatory grief of feeling his absence over the holidays. But I wanted to add something to, to this talk that I think is really important, and that is some of you will be feeling grief because of what you didn't have over the holidays with a loved one. And it could have been a traumatic situation that you grew up with. And so the person who's gone, you might might have a lot of grief over things that, that happened that weren't very happy. And that's that is to be expected too, and that's okay. And sometimes it can be even more complex when you lose someone um, that you do love, but you had a very highly conflictual relationship with. So just be aware that that grief, too, it needs to be acknowledged and felt and um, honored in a way that honors you. Yeah, I mean, that those are losses as well. Mm-hmm. And a thousand little cuts, yes. and that might have been throughout your entire life. Mm-hmm. So, And, and it, not everybody's... Um, you know, experiences over the holidays certainly is happy. There are a lot of very, very painful and traumatic memories. So for some people, the holidays represent a time of of a lot of grief and pain, um, not just because someone has died. Right. And I think, you know, just thinking of that, it might be a good time to sort of review or take a look at the five stages of grief Mm -hmm. that we kind of work with, this model. Um, 
in our mental wellness. And these were developed by Dr. Liz, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is was uh, German, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And she developed these stages. And the first stage is denial. Um, and that's where, you know... <laughs> It's not that we deny that our person has passed away. It's more about the belief that I just can't believe they're gone, or I just can't believe they're not going to walk through the door right? or send me a text. And so um, that's kind of where it starts. And then anger is kind of what you're talking about, Jane. Mm-hmm. So much in anger and even you know, anger about uh, how I wasn't raised or what we didn't mm-hmm. do at Christmas. I have patients who... Um, are angry with the person that has passed away because they have left so. them now, mm-hmm. and that that feels very disrespectful and unnatural. But truly, it's very natural and very common. We see that all the time. It's very natural and anger toward God sometimes. Anger, that yes. and so this kind of loss can sort of rock your spirituality in a way too, because you just think. And especially if it's a very untimely death, um, mm-hmm. death at any uh, stage of one's life is difficult. But if it's really untimely or a sudden and unexpected, it, it can really be a crisis of faith as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, from so there's denial, then anger, and then the, the other three stages are bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I think what's important, you know, we could talk about these stages all day, mm-hmm. but what's important to remember, I think what people don't know, they've often heard about these, but what, what isn't understood is these are not linear stages. So mm-hmm. we don't go from denial into anger. We finish with anger, then we go to bargaining. They absolutely are very fluid, and you, you truly move in and out of these stages um, for as long as you need to until your grief is is healed, and we found a way to coexist with our grief rather than avoid it or be smothered by it. Um, I love that, Lori, to coexist with your grief, uh, because grief is a very powerful emotion. And what we try to help people understand, certainly who are coming in for therapy, is that we don't want to deny feelings, to avoid feelings, um, even though sometimes that feels like well, what else can I do? I can't tolerate it. It's overwhelming me. It's smothering me. Mm-hmm. But actually, what we find um, in our work is that acknowledging it, naming it, like saying, I'm grieving, this is grief, this is sadness, can actually help it pass because feelings come and go. It's like like the ocean. The ebb and the tide of the ocean, they don't last, even though sometimes it feels like I'm never, ever going to be happy again. Uh, But that's the healing and the time, Lori, that you were talking about. Yeah, I think, you know, um, if someone is grieving a loss at Christmas time or or during the holidays, it's really important to remember um, that we can trust in this process of healing. Mm -hmm. And Jane and I are going to talk about ways to to actually heal or to take some steps, but just to trust in, in the process. Mm-hmm. Healing is happen, happening. It, it may not feel like hap, like healing, but it absolutely is. And if you kind of look back two months ago and see where you were six months ago, you can see that you are better. It isn't perfect, but I'm not maybe as smothered by my grief or overwhelmed by my grief as I once was. 
and you might notice yourself smiling a little bit and uh, living a little bit. Living a little yeah. bit, and uh, and that can carry with it some guilt. Um, and guilt sure. is another very common emotion mm-hmm. that maybe I I shouldn't feel happy. I shouldn't be smiling again because that's not honoring of of the loved one that I lost. But in actuality, it is, and it's part of the healing. I hear so many times from patients that, you know, I, f- I feel so guilty if I, I, I laughed at a joke or I, you know, mm-hmm. I smiled or watched a funny movie. And the fear there is that if I laugh or find joy in my day, I'm, I will forget my person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fear that I'm going to forget. And, you know, when you think about that, I, I, f- I think it truly is impossible to forget someone that you loved that deeply Mm-hmm. But it sure feels like that, and that's a very normal um, sentiment. Mm-hmm. And there's a fear and anxiety that goes with uh, thinking that you, uh, that I could forget this person. Yeah. Um, and that's why it is so important to keep keep memorabilia around you, keep photos around you. And this is especially true for children as well, wouldn't you say, Lori? Absolutely. That... Um, and we'll, we can get into that more, but helping children honor the loved one that they have lost too, because this is a very difficult process for them, and sometimes they're just not very acknowledged in that. Absolutely. I think, um, so thinking about the holidays and our grief, so then the, the discussion becomes, well, you know, I think, first of all, we have to, it's important to know you don't have to do everything the way you used to. You have control. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that is one way to sort of cope or go, move through the holidays in a healthy way is to, to think about what you have control over. And it's, it's really ironic, but sometimes, you know, I have to give people permission to not do everything they've always done every year. So all the traditions or dinners or all the things that we've always done we truly don't have to do that this year and you you know you get to decide what feels right so just starting in that place of sort of a clean slate um, the holidays are coming you know let's talk about how we want to do this and I think paramount or center to that thought is I need to keep my person with me and I, I need to walk beside my grief and touch it consistently so that it doesn't get to a point where it's overwhelming mm-hmm. or that I've avoided it so much that I, I'm, I'm truly paralyzed now by my grief. That's such a good point. And I think the finesse of grieving um, also has to do with just figuring out what is plan a and does it have to be plan a this year or could we do b or c and um, trying to infuse as much flexibility into your thinking and your activities over the holiday is really important and that's setting some boundaries Mm -hmm. and i'll never forget um the christmas after my dad died and i there were boxes of christmas ornaments and decorations and I took them down off the shelf, and I felt the heaviest feeling in my heart, I think, that I've ever felt. And I was crying and trying to take them out of the box. And <laughs> at some point, I just said to my, this was long before I was even a, a psychologist, and I said, 
maybe I don't have to do this this mm-hmm. year. And just that permission just mm-hmm. lifted such a load off me. I just put the few things I'd taken out, put them back in the box, packed them up, put them on the shelf. And that uh, to give myself permission to do that was incredible relief. Exactly. So I would just encourage you to just think about how this, obviously this year is going to be very different without your loved one there. But it can also be different in terms of rituals and uh, traditions that, no, of course you don't want to lose them, but you won't. Uh, there are there are more years to celebrate those. Yeah, and I think, you know, so if I have a patient that I'm working with and, you know, someone has passed away, we'll start the conversation with, okay, tell me how this usually goes for you. You know, what do you, you know, what is what do the holidays look like for you? And so if we're thinking about Christmas, you know, well, on Christmas Eve, we get all of our neighbors, and there's about 40 of us, and we, you know, each bring a gift, and we make this kind of food, and we sing songs, and we do all this. And I say, okay, how does that feel to you today? And I get this blank look because they can't imagine doing that today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it kind of goes back to let's plan for this. And then, then the discussion turns to, okay, well, how would you like New Year's or Christmas Eve to go? And that's kind of where the pressure is relieved, like you're talking about, Jane, that mm-hmm. I don't have to do that this year. And it doesn't mean I won't do it next year. But this year, I need to be gentle with myself and my family, and I need to be kind and really listen to what feels right. And so I have a, you know, someone I'm working with now, and he told me um, they're, they're a member of their family died, and he said, well, but what are they, what are all these people going to do? Like, it's our responsibility to have this gathering or host this gathering. And, you know, the answer is no, it is not your responsibility. This, their their feelings and emotions are not yours to hold. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it's really helpful to think about what is mine to hold. And, and truly the answer is going to be just my own feelings and emotions and maybe my children, my, my partner. Yes. And it's also a way of modeling how, uh, just modeling behavior that is honoring of yourself and your own grief process which is very helpful for children to see. It's very helpful for other people to see that you can make these adjustments and have it be okay. You can feel good about that. And your children get to see that, oh, um, you know, mom or dad can, can feel sadness and feel grief and life is still going on. It's just that this year is different and it's different now without our love, without our beloved here. And that's okay. And that's okay. And that is part of our healing. This is part of the process to just Mm -hmm. create that safe space Mm -hmm. um, and that loving space to to feel the wide array of emotions that we're going to feel. I mean, we may Mm -hmm. be feeling joy and guilt and sorrow and anger all at the Mm -hmm. same time. All at the same time. And that's okay. That would be pretty normal. Yes. Uh, normalizing right. sounds like right. that is a very, very important part of this. And again, you are you are giving yourself permission, and you're also really uh, demonstrating to your children and your other loved ones that um, this is the way we can do it, and and have that be okay. Yeah, 
And so once, you know, we kind of understand we can craft our holidays or, or build our holidays in whatever way that feels healing and supportive and loving to me and my, my inner circle, then we can decide specifically what we want to do or how we want the holidays to look. Um, often, you know, I'll, I'll have, so, so then the conversation is, well, Christmas Day, oh, we have a big dinner and, you know, we all are responsible for making this or that. We sing songs the whole day, and, you know, it's like, and we stay in our jammies the whole day. And, it, and, and so, you know, how does that feel today? And that, you know, you get to decide if it feels healthy or comforting to just be with my inner circle. But even with, you know, like something like that with a dinner, some of the tools, some of the things that we can think about possibly doing is, again, we don't want to avoid our loss or what's happened, but we want to incorporate it into our holidays. So so we may, for example, um, decide to make a favorite dish of, of our person who has passed away. Or if they, if they love Christmas music, you know, think about what What's, what music should we be playing? If, if someone were going to pick for me, I would say the Elvis Christmas album. <laughs> my, yeah, like, you need to play that when I'm gone. Um, because, oh, it brings me so much joy, and I can't wait to get that mm-hmm. thing out every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just really, and this feels so healing, because now I'm sitting with my person mm-hmm. that has passed away, and I'm honoring them um, Instead of avoiding or just living in that sorrow, you know, they get, they truly feels like they're there. They get, they get to be there with us. And so, you know, some people will have um, an empty chair at the table on that first Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's anything that was personal to, to the person who has passed away, we, we want to try to incorporate that. And I think, you know, to your point, Jane, I, I would ask everyone in our, in the family or in that inner circle so we're, what do we, how do we all want to celebrate Christmas? What do we all feel like doing this year? And, you know, we may just completely disband with that huge dinner that we always have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, a patient who said, I don't want I can't imagine cooking that feast. But what we came up with was they, they selected a few dishes from their loved one that passed, but then they also all contributed one one item, one food item that they wanted to eat, and they had this hodgepodge picnic on the carpet Christmas dinner. And that just felt so, I don't know, connected and loving and honoring to their person. I love that. Yeah, very different from all the other years. Which is also special in and of itself, to have it be different and, <clears throat> and to be spontaneous and honoring of, of your grief and of all those feelings. I worked with a patient who had lost her mother and her grief was just profound and as was her children's. So um, the grandkids, um, I, I asked her, you know, what, what would feel really meaningful because she wanted to bring her children in and not, uh, you know, not avoid their grief as well. And I said, what about like, an art project. <clears throat> what about making an ornament, or each of you make an ornament, and maybe a collage with uh, p- photos of of your grandma, your mom, and she just absolutely took that idea, and you know, and then you make it your own. So, but she took the idea, went home, and they had this 
project and they talked about mom, grandpa, and grandma and made beautiful ornaments. And then that they will have those on their tree then for all the years to come. So I just thought that that was really sweet how yeah. they took that. And because creativity is a very expression, uh, yes, yes, is a very big part of healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that I've had, um, you know, that we've kind of um, identified that would be helpful is to th- maybe think about a charity or a cause or mm-hmm. a passion that your your loved one had, and and contributing to that in mm-hmm. some way, either through you know financially making a donation or um, you know, to show up and, and serve Christmas dinner, but in t- in to do that in honor of your person you know, that has passed away. So maybe, and I have I have several people who have. Um, I had a patient whose husband passed away, and he loved Chick Fil A, and mm-hmm. so she, you know, I suggested to her, well, what if you, you know, what if you went to Chick Fil A and bought. The, paid for the order of the person in front of you mm-hmm. in the in the drive-up line. And she loved that idea, and she did it. You know, it was, I think, relatively inexpensive, and it just brought her so much joy in the midst of grieving, in the midst of losing her husband. And from there, you know, what she did is if she, were, if she was having a particularly hard day, she would actually go into the Chick-fil-A, talk to the manager, um, purchase a, a a larger gift certificate and say the the next time you see someone or a family come in here that you can tell is really um, trying to budget what they buy or don't mm-hmm. or, or are limited financially, I want you to give them this gift certificate and tell them it's in honor of someone's husband who passed away. Oh, that it is makes me, I know sweet. it makes that me cry thinking about it, and it just. Oh, I just feel so proud yes. of her. I feel so proud mm-hmm. of the process that, you know, that it's just simple things like that. And being creative. Uh, and, yeah. and and those are memories then you will carry on from that first holiday. Yes. Or, you know, you'll, you'll always have those memories as well. And from that, other things might come too. Volunteering. Absolutely. Or, you know, um, but that's a beautiful yes. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes people will, you know, if, if your loved one loved to walk, I think she she also, her and her husband, like to go um, to a certain place or a hillside or somewhere and watch the deer. And so she, you know, she would go. She would ask him, come with me and let's go look at the deer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, she knows he's not here. Um, this isn't a delusional kind of thinking, but just, you know, emotionally mm-hmm. take him with you. And to, even to say that out loud. Yes. Um, well, and that reminds me of going to the grave site, too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so many people do that and find that healing to go and sit and ponder for a moment, bring something to the grave, talk yes. to your loved one. Yes, if you feel their mm-hmm. presence there, or you feel mm-hmm. like that's sacred spot yes yes so finding ways to include your person in your daily life i know jane and i have ways that we process our grief when we when we lose a patient and sometimes that happens Mm -hmm. but for me you know it it's always such an honor and i think that's really at the heart of what we're talking about honor Mm -hmm. and love and so if that happens i you know i will i like to run in the morning so i'll go out 
up for a run that day, and before I run, I say a little prayer. Just this, I dedicate this run to my friend, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, that feels so healing because I feel very blessed and fortunate to be able to run, and so I'm going to do it in honor of this person. And so anything like that, you know, anything that Mm -hmm. feels like, oh, I could do, you know, this is in my wheelhouse, I could do this this action or, you know, do whatever feels, Mm -hmm. so just finding a way, yes, to honor and to, but to still live. Sure. And still incorporate all of this into our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And one thing, too, that I, I've talked with so many patients about, <clears throat> Lori, you had mentioned like a holiday gathering or seeing a lot of family or going here and then here, and it's just what you've always done. Uh, but now would be a good time also to just look at alternatives. Uh-huh. And uh, I've mentioned to patients from time to time, well, if you're going to go over there, how about taking two cars? Right. You know, if the person is married or has a spouse. And and <laughs> I will get looks sometimes like, oh, you, you mean we could do that? We could take two cars and I could go home at a different... Oh! And, you know, they, they're just relieved. It Again, it's just that freedom of doing something different. You can still do what you were planning to do, but do it on a very limited basis, if at all, and do yeah. something different. So... Really giving yourself a lot of space is, yeah. and and I, I loved what you said, and it reminded me how grief is love. You know, grief is about the magnitude of love. It's also, as I had said before, if your situation is one that was not um, happy or fulfilling for you, the loss it, can be. If it wasn't fulfilling, the loss can be sort of that I. The l- I'm not feeling that I didn't have that relationship. And, yeah. and you're seeing all over the place, um, you know, the holidays and love and couples and families and feasts. And um, it can just be very painful yes. if you haven't had that experience. So again, about it's about honoring yourself and having a lot of self-compassion. I would say the the overarching guide here or or recommendation might be to just slow everything down mm. and simplify as much as possible. Because the truth is, we've endured a huge loss that we will be, you know, I like to say, you know, let's, we're going to have a year of grief because it's going to be a year of um, first, a year of, you know, the first uh, Christmas without my loved one and, and Thanksgiving and the, the year of um, the first Mother's Day or Father's Day that, I don't have my loved ones. So we're going to be in this for the long haul. And I, I think it's very helpful to just calm things down and slow down, um, stay, stabilize and just give ourselves space um, and permission to figure out how this is going to look moving forward. And yes, to prepare <clears throat> and anticipate that a year, two years, you know, the grief doesn't have any timeline. And, you know, it used to be that women, and I'm not, I don't know about men, but were black for a mm-hmm. year. And that might seem kind of morbid today, but it was an, an outward sign that I am grieving. I have had a loss. And so I'm quite sure people didn't have the same expectations for that person. Now it's, you know, the message in our culture is, 
you know, you got to get beyond this, uh, you know, what you're still grieving or, you know, you're still sad about that. Well, yes, uh, grief takes can take a very, very long time. And again, it's different for everybody. Yeah, and I think I like that. I wish we still did that wearing black because that signals to the world I'm still feeling my grief. Yes. And and I own that mm-hmm. because I think a hard part of what we're talking about um, is telling people, thank you, thank you for the invitation, but no thank you. Yes. <laughs> you know, or yes. um, just you know, having mm-hmm. to tell everyone I'm just not going to decorate this year, I'm not going to participate in the cookie exchange, I'm not, you know, the office gift exchange. Um, it's a season of grief. Yes. You're in a season yes. of grieving. Yeah, that's beautiful. Not Jane. a week, yeah. not a few yeah. days, not half year. It's a season. And a season can go on for a long time. So Yeah, so, you know, just really, that's about the boundary. It's okay to... It's okay to set your boundaries and decide what's best for you and then to enforce that or to make sure that happens for you and your family. Guilt-free. Guilt-free. And part of this, the cognitive piece, because Lori and I both work with patients in terms of cognitive process and reframing, is you will need to use some, some real diligence in changing your thinking about this being okay. If you are to make some changes um, in order to, uh, you can feel the guilt and you can acknowledge, oh, I feel guilty about this. But at the same time, I know that this is best for me. Yes. So that's using your that mental piece to um, really set boundaries for yourself that are very important for self-care. I ha- I'm often asked if I have a book that I could recommend or something. And so I will just share that here today. Um, there is a book called On Grief and Grieving, Finding the Meaning of Grief Through the Five Stages of Loss. And it's written by, actually, Dr. Uh, Kubler-Ross. And she co-authored it with David Kessler. And David Kessler, I feel, is probably the foremost authority of grief mm-hmm. um, in our country. I agree with that. And he he actually did get to write this with her. And um, he was, it's a really interesting story. They did this work together and he, they were so close and, fr- and had an incredible friendship. He was with her when she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, so, you know, this would be a book that I think is a great tool or support it's written very gently Mm -hmm. um and it's designed to you know not necessarily be read cover to cover but you sort of open it and maybe read the beginning but then as you need something or you you feel you know for example our holidays maybe there's a section on how to handle holidays and pretty much everything we've talked about is in there but Mm -hmm. it's you know it's a great resource because we need we do need support through the holidays but where do I get it? You know, I'm not certainly not going to get it through the Christmas parties and everything else that we do. Um, he, Doctor or, or David Kessler, said uh, was reading. Um, well, he sends me emails, <laughs> so I was reading his message this week, talking about the holidays, and he said, if I looked back on my career. And at all the tools and the, you know, the, everything that I have, I think the most Im- effective and helpful and um, healing promoting tool is, is writing. 
And so, and I, you know, this is something that Jane and I talk about all the time. Um, journaling, and, and journaling might be a word that scares people because mm-hmm. you think of, I don't know, your diary when you were little. <laughs> you had to write in your diary. <laughs> but it, truly, journaling is about expression. And, you know, it, that's what we do in our office for an hour it, with our, our patients is, is, mm-hmm. a, is provide this space to, to express and to talk about our person and to cry and feel everything we feel. But, you know, outside of our office, journaling or writing is a great way to do that. Um, so incorporating that into your holidays or into, well, any time that you need it might be a really useful thing. And I can truly attest to that, you know, my, my patients that journal do the best. Mm-hmm. They truly, you know, they find true healing. And, um, and journaling is really about, again, it's about expression. So it's not about sentence structure and, you know, spelling and all of that. It's really about whatever is in your mind, put it out onto the paper. I, and I was just, <clears throat> I was reminded as you were saying that of let go of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not have to look beautiful. It doesn't have to be complete sentences or thoughts. You just just write down uh, whatever is in your mind and let go of the perfectionism mm-hmm. for many reasons during the holidays. Yes, it's, it's really about just you know dumping what's mm-hmm. what's inside and get because if we can get it out of ourselves, then that creates space mm-hmm. for healing. Mm-hmm. So so important and so helpful. One last thing is that you know the, we're talking about a lot today. Mm-hmm. It it would be really hard to just do all of this on your own. Right. <laughs> so if you're not able to, you know, if you're not Jane, you can't decide I, I, on your own that you can't put these decorations up this <laughs> year. It's okay. And, and it's to reach out to someone like us, you know, it, it, Jane and I certainly are there for all of our listeners. Um, but there are other therapists as well, if you, you know, if you need to do that. But reach out for professional help. It truly is a sign of strength. Um, and it empowerment is. and courage, it is not a sign of weakness. It doesn't mean you failed in some way or that you're not strong enough to do this on your own. Uh, we are we are here for you. We are one of the tools, one of the support systems, and I, I would encourage anyone who's struggling to reach out to us and let Absolutely. us walk beside you through your grief. Yes. Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear you ladies talk about this because I think grief can so many people are dealing with grief in so many different ways Mm -hmm. Um, whether it is the loss of a loved one the loss of something they once had um, Mm -hmm. if they go through a um, pandemic Mm -hmm. a loss of a job Mm -hmm. a loss of a spouse Mm -hmm. um, a loss of a child Mm -hmm. and whatever that loss quote-unquote is whether it's a death or a separation or somebody's moving or something like that or a loss of predictability or certainty. absolutely yeah. some sort of loss of your routine mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. um, all know we've all experienced so many different things this year um, in general and so I think the word grief I'm a very visual person so to visualize a thousand cuts mm-hmm. really correlates with me because yeah. that's sometimes exactly what it feels like. It does. Mm. So I really like being able to create a visual with a word that we hear so often, but really what is it? And if you haven't ever experienced it, the anticipation of grief, which we talked about at the very beginning of, 
is this what it is? I didn't, you know, is this, mm-hmm. is this what they've been talking about? Or this is what I've heard before. Um, and kind of really wrapping your mind around the fact that this maybe is that, and then how do I deal and cope? And, um, I think some of these strategies are extremely helpful. And then just to reiterate the fact that you two are both here and that, um, establishing a relationship with a therapist is so important and it shouldn't be something like you said that's a weakness or um that you failed at something but that you are growing as a human being and really utilizing the resources that are available so and I think Lori and I would both agree it's there's strength in sharing the load you don't have to carry all this absolutely Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and it, it doesn't go on forever, you know. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, if mm-hmm. I always think about if you cut your arm off or if you, you know, you have a medical injury, you, of course, are going to get professional help right. with that. Yes. And this is the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it truly is. Mm-hmm. And once the healing clearly is happening and we're, you know, we're back in, engaged in life again, we don't need the therapy so much. You know? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Absolutely, in the acute pain of it all and the darkness of it all, we are there for our patients, yeah. and we're always happy to do that and help hold the space. Yes. Yeah. So I guess as we as we circle back here and kind of wrap this up, I let's we're we're talking about the holidays as we sit here on this sunny, beautiful <laughs> November afternoon. It's like sixty five degrees mm-hmm. or something. Um, but what are just some, some maybe, um, maybe not new traditions, but what are just a couple of things that people could do to maybe just put a smile on their face as we go through this holiday season? Um, we talk about the traditional baking cookies and, um, you know, listening to music, but maybe just a suggestion or two on someone who's thinking, I don't even know where to start. Well, we've certainly been through, I mean, the pandemic has taken a toll. Yes. <laughs> There's no underestimating that or understating that. I, I had a patient tell me um, a couple weeks ago, she used this phrase that I thought was so appropriate. She said, my family has family fatigue. <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> again, I did just deer in the headlights like, what do you, wait, what? Because we talk about, I don't know, we talk about compassion fatigue, we talk about pandemic fatigue. Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue is a thing, for sure. And, you know, with everything happening, we really, we get ungrounded, Mm -hmm. and we get um, disconnected from what truly, I, I would say, our heartstrings are, or what feeds our soul. And I, you know, I always, I would encourage everyone to go back to the basics, you know, the cookies and the presents and all of that, there's a thing called Christmas fatigue as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's, let's, let's get um, a little more basic than that and think about, well, what do I really care about this Christmas? I mean, truly, what's in the center of my heart and my spirit? And, you know, if, if for example, you know, it's your small, your children who are young and they drive you crazy most of the time, let's find a way to to clear out the clear out life and clear out the day and really bond and connect with these little beings who mean everything to us Mm -hmm. 
and to get refocused on what feeds my spirit. And so that can be, you know, my family has a tradition that every holiday we we go for a hike. You know, we just go out into, we have a little forest and we take our doggy and it's it's it creates more work for me because I have to do, you know, go back home and make food and all that. But God, just starting the day that way, grounded mm-hmm. together and united together, when life does its best to pull us apart all the time and keep us apart, that just feels so healthy and yeah. wise in my soul to do. So, so finding things, you know, maybe an activity. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It do- certainly doesn't have to cost money or be expensive. That's it right. just provides an opportunity to get grounded in what you care about. And Laura, you often talk about nature, and I know how much you cherish and honor nature. And uh, Kelly, when you said that, my first thought was, especially as I was looking at the sunny day, take a walk. And I've been doing quite a bit of walking. And I'll, last night I saw, uh, it was the grandpa, the dog, and you know, I'm just mm-hmm. m- making this up in my mind. Like, I don't know who they were, but <laughs> grandpa, and, and they had the, the red... Uh, Wagon, wagon and pulling one of his granddaughters there was a stroller there were two other adults and they were all out walking and it was just it was such a sight and you know they were talking and you could just tell just uh, feeling free and really doing something like you said it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary but being outside if it's possible you know sometimes it's not but just really something very simple yeah go I back to the basics know you mentioned the children back to the base like we always yeah back to basics and mm-hmm. that is our little children right mm-hmm. um as you were talking i was thinking you know that they don't they know the world has changed and you know our lives look different but going back again to what we've said many times children just want to know that you love them and that they're safe mm, they're safe and so what what does that language look like for them and as you were talking, I was thinking um, a thing I used to do with my kids is we would get a new Christmas book every year, mm-hmm. and so we would sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. There are a lot of those, and even if you check it out from the library or whatever, but we would sit together and have this book in our hands. We we probably didn't have um, <laughs> I don't know iPads back then, but and just read these books, and then we got to add the book to our collection yeah. every year. And so maybe that, you know, anything mm-hmm. that's tangible and you're doing in person, um, you're not doing virtually, mm-hmm. you can put your hands on it. That's, we're looking for that. Yeah. Quality time, quality touch, quality connection. That's right. That's I like right. it. I remember my mom always wanted to do uh, read the Christmas story. And as a, a kid, you know, you want to get to the presents. But yeah. so we would all sit through the Christmas story and we would all read. And But of course, you know, becoming an adult, then you realize that was a really important part of Christmas for her. And um, so, yes, back to the basics mm-hmm. and connecting with something that means something to you. Yeah, I like it. I have a, we have a little... Um, book at our house called the sweet smell of christmas and i listen i i read this with my parents all the time when i was little i used to love it because it's a little scratch and sniff of a little bear (laughs) so it's like the pine tree and the apple pie and the peppermint sticks and the oranges and um so we were getting our christmas things out the other day 
And my son said, oh, mom, this is my favorite. And I loved it this year because he could read the book to me. Um, so it was, it was fun. But it was still just watching it through his eyes. Oh, I love, this is my favorite one, the pine tree. And, and the <laughs> smell still smells like I'm 10 years old <laughs> smelling yes. the pine tree. And I'm, you know, it's fun to watch it through mm-hmm. his eyes. But mm-hmm. Yes, just getting back to the basic, enjoying those mm. s- the sweet smell of Christmas. Yes, I love That's that. Right. Yes. Well, thank you, ladies, very much. I, I love doing these. I think our listeners uh, look forward to them and the new topics that we come up with. So thanks for joining us this afternoon. And as always, if our listeners are looking for more information on Nebraska Cancer Specialists, visit NebraskaCancer.com or give us a call at 402 404-4773.